1: A monster sell-off to start the week. The Dow closing down more than 1,000 points, only its third four-digit drop ever. Big tech facing big redemptions. The Nasdaq losing nearly 4%. Buyers, meantime, rushing into bonds. Yields nearing generational lows. Oil plunging and taking energy stocks with it. But not everything was down. Gold continues to catch a bid, hitting its highest level in over seven years. Welcome, everybody. Tonight on Fast Money, we try to make sense of what is going on and, more importantly, what you should be doing about it. And your traders on the desk on this very important night are Steve Grasso, Brian Kelly, Karen Feinerman, and Guy Adami. Let's get right to it, shall we? All right. Today's market plunge, taking the S&P 500 negative for the year. All the gains, they're gone. Energy, tech, consumer leading the sell-off. So what are you doing with your money following a day like today, Guy Adami? Yes, sir. If anything, because somebody, a lot of somebodies were selling. Well, I think you have to understand, and we talk about this, markets
2: go down a lot faster than they go up. So I don't think today is all that surprising in the context of what we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks and the last few months. With that said, to answer your question, what do you do? Well, you have to sort of draw your line in the sand because as much as we all root for sell-offs to buy things cheaper, when they come, they never feel the way you want them to feel. They always seem to be scarier. Try to take emotion out. Now, let's talk about a name like Microsoft, for example. And I go back to February 11th, and we talked about it. Had a huge move to the upside, traded at an all-time high at 190 and a half or so, reversed and closed lower that day on huge volume. And we said... That's as textbook a reversal as you're going to see. What's next? Well, what's next is look for a level to buy it. 162 gives you sort of a level that we bounce from. The same thing with Apple we've talked about. F- figure out what your levels are. Draw that line in the sand and buy the stocks when they get there. In terms of S&P, and Steve may or may not agree with me, but 30, 30, 3,030 is a level that's
1: about 200 S&P. But I want to, I want to give you a big... Shout out because I know that Don't you be. guys have been doing this for years, and you take a lot of heat. People say you're cheerleading the markets. I think it was two year, two weeks ago, a week ago, where I said we wake up one day, and coronavirus has 100 cases in America or spread around the world. What happens to the market? I believe it was you guys said. The Dow falls a 1,000 points. Well, it doesn't, you know, I think that was your, I, by the I way, that was your exact exact because I'm, and the and Dow fell 1,031 A lot today. more
2: than I'm right. But, you know, you have, we also talk about a couple of things. What levels in the, in the volatility index make sense for a market bottom? We'll talk about that later with Julian Emanuel. And I'll say it again. I didn't think, unfortunately, I didn't think this coronavirus was anywhere near being contained. And now we're finding out It's not. But I also say this, a lot of things that have been moving were moving way ahead of
1: any time coronavirus was even a thought in anybody's mind. You know, Steve Grasser, we talked to you on Power Lunch earlier today. You're down at the NYC, and what we need to remember about markets is that for every seller, there must be a buyer. There is a buyer. There were people, as much as today was bad, there were buyers somewhere, I presume, stepping in. What was the mood today? What was the feel in the trade? The, so in the morning, what you always want to look at as a trader is where is the panic and is there any panic? And this morning, I felt for the first time in a very, very long time, because this market has let everything roll off its back, I felt as if there were, was some element of panic during the opening session for the first half hour to play. Then you watch people sort of bottom fish, and then it failed. That's the problem with bottom fishing is that when it fails, to Guy's point, everyone wants the market to sell off, but then when it sells off, you get a chance to buy them, so you nibble. And then you get run over again. Are you talking about you like 245? Because remember, margin calls tend to hit what about 2:30 p.m.? Right. And I wondered, even though margin calls generally for people when the markets go up and they're short, that there's going to be some activity there. The market came up 200 some points off its low. That's what you're talking about. It tried to claw back. It a tried bit to claw back, and failed. What, 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 what happens is because it's too early now. Everyone's trying to reassess and say. Maybe we haven't factored in what this whole coronavirus, to the, the true extent it could have an effect on the overall market. So you throw out all those growth names that are, are fluffy or the market's idea are fluffy. You try to buy them back and then you cross your fingers and you hope and when you're wrong, you get so nervous you throw everything out that you just rebought. What did you do today, Karen?
3: I didn't do a lot, really. I mean, mostly I just watched. The one thing I did, I was short some J.P. Morgan calls. I covered those. But I am very long J.P. Morgan and very long the bank. So, you know, this isn't a good day P&L-wise. But I do think there's, uh, there's opportunities that I didn't buy anything so significant today. I'd kind of like to see us come in tomorrow off of a bad overnight markets and have a big whoosh down and then really start look to buying. One you want to
1: see more losses tomorrow. I do. Because we ended just I, off our lows.
3: Right. I think I would like to see that. I think most of today's move was coronavirus, but not entirely. I think if you look, look at the SMH, right? I know, it, you know, it's it sold off the last couple of days, but that has been almost straight up. So I, it happened to be coronavirus. I think there would be something that would take some of the froth of, off of a lot of these stocks. So I'd like to see it come in tomorrow.
1: All right, let's focus on that. Big technology, of course, folks, as you know, has been leading this market up, up, up. Well, today it largely led us down. The momentum trade skidding to a halt. The FANG stocks down an average of 4.1%. Apple lost nearly 5%. Only two NASDAQ 100 names, Gilead and Regeneron, both seen as coronavirus plays closed higher on the day. As Karen noted, semiconductor investors also lost money today. The SMH ETF down 4.5%. Okay, BK. SMH has been up 33% a year even with today's drop. So we look at it as a big down day and still a forward up market or the turn and the end of that bull run? Uh,
4: so I, I'm, not, I'm not at a point where I think it's the end of the bull run yet. I mean, the semiconductors are highly levered to the global economy. So in general, that's what you have to ask yourself in this environment. Is something like the coronavirus a big enough shock to the global economy that it tilts the U.S. and the rest of the world into recession? And what everybody else has said is a lot of these symptoms were kind of out there already in that, you know, you had weak economic news in Germany weak economic news out of Japan prior to the virus scares so you know a I, trade war for a year a and trade a half. war for a year and a half all these things had been adding up and the market didn't care so now you have this spread of the coronavirus and the thing about it is we don't it's there's too much uncertainty right now whether or not this is gonna end in three weeks or is it something that lasts the summer nobody's pricing that in that's why you have the sell-off today That being said, I'm kind of more in Karen's camp where, as a trader, I'm looking for a down open with a reversal tomorrow. That, to me, would signal, all right, we got a short-term bottom here or at least something that I can trade against uh, in this market.
2: Yeah, I think if you're looking at other signals, capitulation comes in the form of a couple things. In my world, volume is a huge indicator, and it works on the way up, and we've outlined that a couple times. I mentioned Microsoft when it traded you know, two times normal volume a couple weeks ago at an all-time high and reversed. You're looking for, if you're trying to find a bottom in some of these names, you're looking for a similar move to the downside, where a stock capitulates in terms of price action on two or three times normal volume. And you didn't get anywhere close to that in a lot of these names today. Just real
1: quick, just on levels, 31.60 is the next level you should watch. That's the 100-day moving average. 3,275 is your 50-day moving average. And we're a long way from the Mm 200-day or... Another day of downward trading. So it's 3043 is your 200 day. You got to know the levels because you just want to puke them. And all of a sudden you see the support and the market rips back in your face. Okay. What is it? We did not end on our lows. We did not end on our lows. But we lost a lot of steam in that last 30 minutes or so. We tried to recover as you noted. What does that tell you about the setup that is likely for tomorrow? So you're going to, well, first of all, we have to see what Asia does, and we have to see what leads us into the market. So the overnight markets are going to be very important, so you want to pay attention to that. If the global story gets worse and not better in the next 12 hours, then look for, as Karen and BK noted, that, that whoosh to the downside because you don't want to have it go green pre-market because then it's set up to fail. You want to see a whoosh to the downside. Yeah. You want to see it red pre-market and then the first hour and a half or so. But look for the European close around 1130. See where the markets are, because if they're rallying back into that European close, odds are they're going to rally for the rest of the day. And market. by the way, totally random, but not interesting. Mm. But I think important was Tokyo was closed today. It was the emperor's birthday holiday. So we could see a wild open on the Nikkei tonight. By the way, we're going to have a special tonight. We'll have that open live during that time. All right, another big loser today, bank and financial stockholders, bond yielders, bond yields continuing to fall, which can often slam earnings at big banks. It's an environment that Warren Buffett acknowledged would be difficult for the sector. Here's what he said about it earlier today on CNBC.
5: The banks are going to make more money if if there are higher rates with a... With a steeper curve, Uh, the curve makes, is is more important, in other words, the 10-year versus uh, short-term rates uh, may make more difference than the absolute level. But American banks have made very good money with very low interest rates.
1: Good money with low interest rates. Does that work, Karen, for the long term? We know you love J.P. Morgan. Tomorrow is right. their investor day. It's going to be a very important conversation.
3: I mean, it has been working, right? The, there's this notion that banks are all interest rate driven, right? That, that that's their whole business, which it's not. Clearly, net interest margin is a very, very important element. But there's also big fee business. There's also asset management business, equity markets, capital markets. So I... Uh, I, you know, I'm hanging on to my banks for sure. I think that we will see a recovery, and ultimately, I think that we'll see higher huts.
4: You know what's interesting about today, which is kind of, I think, a positive. On a day where the Dow was down 1,000, the yield curve didn't really flatten. Even though we had yields go lower, the difference between the yields, which Warren Buffett was talking about, remained the same. Now, it is still quite small. There's not a lot of net interest margin to be made there. But I think if you're looking for something to say, hey, wait a second, maybe the bond market is telling you, all right, this is about as bad as it gets.
1: You had a Fed that was projecting, Guy, what, three and a quarter percent Fed funds rates at the end of this year we're now talking about rate cuts from already cuts and a bond yield a 10-year yield which is a couple of bips off hundred year
2: lows yeah well, I mean, you're, you're leading me down a path to, you know, to fricassee of the Federal Reserve, which I've done on any number of times. Tonight's probably not the night to do it, but in terms of prognostication, as bad as I am, they're infinitely worse. So to give them any credit whatsoever is a fool's errand. With that said, and I hear what BK is saying, and you're right, you can take that as a glimmer of hope, but, you know, I said it a couple times. The line in the sand, I think, in terms of 10-year yields is 140. Below 140, then you get that the points of diminishing marginal returns in terms of what it means for equities, mm-hmm.
1: and we are precariously close to that level. Okay, we've got a market flash right now related to the coronavirus. Let's get back to Meg Terrell with more on that. Meg.
3: Hey, Brian. Well, it's about biotech company Moderna. That company's shares are higher on a report from the Wall Street Journal that the company has
1: shipped the first batch of its potential coronavirus vaccine to the NIH, where a small human clinical trial is set to begin potentially by the end of April, and
3: they may expect results as soon as over the summer guys this is incredibly quick uh, for vaccine development and you are seeing Moderna stock up now almost six and a half percent on this news Brian
1: back to you all right Meg Meg, thank you very much guys let's talk about this as well I mean it's a little bit tough talk about biotech anybody out there in the market today in the biotech space yeah the the problem though with the biotech space is you have headwinds that are political so biotech and HMOs so you have those headwinds coming then you have the tailwinds of maybe a vaccine but the problem is when you look at these charts they've already given back all of those moves uh, meg just talked about a stock that rallied aggressively a month ago based on a vaccine and then came in aggressively or, or more so so you can't trade it off of vaccines you have to trade it off political headwinds and i still think the space is still a sell on every pop sell on every pop yeah, I mean, listen,
4: this, this sector was going, in my view, was going to do quite well up until about June, right? Because then you end up with these political headwinds. So I would think if you get any type of a rally here going into the end of the first quarter or second quarter, you want to probably sell these names and take profits.
1: All right, now let's turn to the days and the years and the decades. Biggest loser of all, and that is energy, of course. The sector falling another 5% today. Oil also fell again. Let's give an example. ExxonMobil, that stock down 4.5%, down 19% just this year. Exxon is worth $238 billion, which may sound like a lot until you consider it was a $520 billion company, the biggest in the world, back in 2007. A number of debt-laden smaller oil and gas players falling more than 10% today as well. Is there hope? Guy anywhere for this long, struggling sector. You know, for trades
2: there are, and we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, and for example, there was a great trade last summer into the fall. You pick up slumberjay off a of double bottom. Stock went from 30 to 41 in about two and a half, three months. It's redone the whole thing back to the downside. You mentioned ExxonMobil, and I will tell you categorically that on this desk we have said to avoid for quite some time. You just mentioned $56 stock. We haven't seen 56 in Exxon ExxonMobil in probably a decade or so, and that's on what's been a tremendous broader market tape. So, like the autos, if it can't rally in this environment, when is it? The answer is it's not, and in, in this, my opinion.
1: In the space, the refiners... Guy and I talk about a lot, the refiners, their input costs are going down. But the problem is, if there's a glut of oil and there's lack of a demand and we see country by country shutting people in and people are staying home, other than streaming videos, you're not doing a lot to use any type of this output. Well, the, pro- the problem is we don't know the demand drop. Well, there's 14 million barrels a day used in China. We don't know if that's down by a million, two million, five million. How many cars are on the road? How many airplanes? Now, you do have, I will say this, Libya is offline, okay? Iran is down significantly. Venezuela is not at zero, but they're not close. If we didn't have those things offline, BK, you could see oil do a print, I think, 35 bucks a barrel.
4: I. I mean, if you look at the chart, yeah, $35 probably in the cards. I mean, I think the other thing to add into there is look at the big importers. You mentioned China, but what about Japan? That was going into recession prior to these issues, and I think that's what's holding up against Loyal. The only problem with selling oil at these levels down 5% today is saudi arabia and opec and at any point in time they can come in cut supplies it rips ten percent in your face so what i would do is wait for them to cut supplies wait for that
1: ten percent rip and sell it from there this implies that OPEC is going to be able to do that because Russia has not been on board. There's a meeting scheduled for March 5th and 6th. There's some people talk, sort of hinting around, will they get together? Because who wants to be in a room with a bunch of people who've been traveling all over the place at this mm-hmm. point in time? Maybe do a Zoom video conference yes, call, Zoom. Karen.
3: Absolutely. But let me ask you, is China buying, are they stockpiling for their reserves? Is that...
1: That's what we've another, heard I've talked to some people at charter ships, and it's like there's still some imports because China's using cheaper prices to try to fill up their inventories, so the demand may be pulled forward a bit. You've got, but until you, if you run out of storage and you've right. still got the demand destruction, then we're going to find out. All right, let's talk more about today's big sell-off and get some real-world advice. Joining us down is BTIG's Julian Emanuel. Now, Julian, to be fair, you've come on this program many times, and you said, I, I think we will have a pullback, and a pullback would be healthy. But was this what you were referring to?
6: So when you have days like today within the context of the fact that we are 5% off the high, but we're only off the high in less than a week, you have to step back and you have to say, uh, as has been the case throughout this bull market, 11 years of this, Be prepared to be a buyer down ten to fifteen percent. You have been paid to be that way every single time. Now if you're if you are an investor and you are uncomfortable with your holdings now, particularly if you've got lots of profits in high-flying technology names that are up fifty, a hundred percent in the last year, you might think about trimming there. So to us, this is part of the sell-off we think there's a bit more to go here.
1: trimming even into this weakness and how much more do you think there is to go
6: so from our point of view uh, if you look at sort of the past episodes of what we would call a growth scare um, essentially something like Ebola in 2014 uh you know volmageddon which we had in the first quarter of 2018 those were essentially sort of very almost straight line downs over the course of two to three weeks very very scary but ultimately viable. Um, Again, we don't know, we have no medical insight on what the progression of the coronavirus is. We just know, A, that that the market has started to come off in a reasonably violent fashion, but we would have liked to have seen a little bit more capitulation today. And I would suggest that rather than sort of a reversal tomorrow, Mm -hmm. maybe look for a reversal on Wednesday instead after the Democratic debate.
2: So, Julian, the capitulation in terms of the volatility index, the VIX, has come into form anywhere between 30 and 35 on maybe three different occasions over the last two and a half, three years. I think we closed at 25 today. Is that sort of what you're talking about?
6: Yeah. Basically, we think that ultimately if you're going to go down 10 We've talked about the 200-day moving average at around 30, 40, 30, 45 in the S&P 500. You're going to get to a number that's 30 or above, and that's the kind of, you know, really almost healthy but short-term panic that we think is viable, given the fact that there's a lot of liquidity out there. So, Julian, we talked about countries being weak before before going to uh,
4: economies being weak. Is this a big enough shock for you to change any of your earnings numbers?
6: Not at the moment. And the, the reason that we say that is because, again, if you think about all the stimulus in the pipeline that China has and granted, it really isn't effective right now because you can't stimulate when half a tri- half, you know, 500 million people are, are in an apartment. But but the point is, is that we think that uh, that there is the potential for upward moves. All
1: right. Julian Emanuel, BTIG. Julian, thank you very much. We thank appreciate you. Your time. All right, we are just getting started here in a very busy Fast Money. Up next, we found one bright spot in today's big drop, the stocks and what to do about them coming up. Plus, what did today's sell-off mean for market multiples? Are stocks now on sale or still too pricey? We're going to be joined by the man that they call the dean of valuations. And we, of course, have continuing coverage of today's big sell-off. Be sure to tune in tonight for our special Markets in Turmoil, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. In the meantime, stay with us. Fast money is back in two.
7: What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones. Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash find your rich Edward Jones member SIPC.
1: All right, welcome back. Well, today was the worst day for the overall stock market in two years. One of only three times the Dow has fallen more than 1,000 points. Only 13 S&P 500 stocks were able to make gains today. But there was one big green arrow out there. Gold, the precious metal, hitting a fresh seven-year high. That was good news for the miners as well. Companies like Newmont, Barrett Gold, some of the only names that were higher today. So Guy Adami, I assume that you still like some of these names here.
2: Yeah, I think you have to still like them. Now, obviously, the fact that everybody's now talking about this gives me some concern. That's somewhat problematic. Newmont traded two times normal volume today, up 1.6 percent or so, levels we haven't seen in a very long time. But the gold story is still intact. And now people will say nightly news, gold rush because of coronavirus. All right, I get, sort of get it. Problem is, of course, this started in October when nobody ever heard of the term coronavirus. So I guess the earlier point is still the point now these moves took place long before this virus was a story so the markets these markets were trying to tell you something i think they will continue to try to tell us something over the next few weeks well
4: i'll tell you what's interesting again a glimmer of hope in this market the gold market reversed violently today so we had a really big up day middle of the day started to sell off again which would suggest that perhaps some of the fear is coming out of the market and you had it on a large volume day so I still think there's probably room over the next six months or so to buy gold. But I was, I was long silver coming into the day. I sold my silver today. I'll look for a chance to get back. You the sold Airbnb. the
1: silver today. I sold silver. So, Scott Miner was on uh, last week, said that he still liked it. The, the one thing I would imagine you've got to know, Steve Grasso, is... What are their internal, what are Newmont and Barrick's internal projections? What's their budget based? Right. You know, is it $1,200 an ounce, $1,300 an well, ounce? Well, see, that's, that's the reason why the gold miners always outperform or underperform. And it's by usually two to three times whatever the underlying metal is. This year has been, the last couple of months has been kind of screwed up a bit. But to BK's point, today, when they dumped, when they had a reversal in gold, they actually ran and bought crude which was the oddest event that I've ever seen. But I think there were some rumors or chatter floating around about central banks and what they're doing with gold. So keep an eye on that if you hear any patterns through the grapevine about central banks and what they're actually doing with gold. Surprise, BK, there wasn't much of a move in Bitcoin. There wasn't. I was surprised by that. It
4: was down about 2%. We didn't see any macro players that were in there. You would think as a digital gold type of thing, it would have moved up today, but it was relatively quiet in the Bitcoin market.
1: All right. We've got much more still ahead here on this important Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next.
4: If you're trying to make sense of today's market mayhem, the Chartmaster has some levels you should be keeping your eye on. Plus, is it too late to protect yourself from the sell-off? We look at some options trades that could save you further headache. We've got that and a lot more when Fast Money returns.
0: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At p it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you.
1: All right, welcome back to Fast Money. It was an historic day for the stock market, and not one that was good for investors. The Dow posting one of only three 1,000-point drops of all time. Only 13 S&P 500 stocks rose today. All 11 sectors were in the red, with even the best-performing group, utilities, down more than 1%. The question, of course, now is, where do we go from here? Well, right now we go to the charts. Cornerstone Macro's Carter Worth is over at the plasma to break down the action and. Maybe if there's any support anywhere out there. Carter.
5: As you say, where do we go from here? It's anybody's guess. Here are my guesses. First, let's look at the setup. I start the chart from October 2019. and We've had this five-month advance, a massive thing, right up 19% in five months, annualizing at 60%. The key is October 2019. If you went back to October 2018, the market was unched. So you have an entire equity complex unchanged, 12 months, and then it, quote, breaks out takes off. And the question is, how much of this move needs to be corrected? So again, you see the move there. Let's move forward. This sell-off is fairly garden variety. Uh, Pullback, dip, correction, whatever you want to call it, give back um, 5.27%. Now, it is also, for what it's worth, a break in trend. And you can see that quite clearly. If I put the top channel on, uh, you see that quite clearly. So there's data, and we'll talk about that in a bit, about 5% plus. But at this point, it's that's absolutely nothing. I mean, basically, it's barely even started.
1: Hmm. All right, Carter, why don't you come on back to the desk here? Steve Grasso, I mean, <laughs> you see that <how laughs> thing just come right through the line there. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, when you, know, when you look at this from a technical viewpoint, I, I look at the – I'm, I'm big on moving averages. and When you look at the 200-day moving average, it's about 6% lower from where we were today. So if you look at it in the bigger – scheme of things you go from high to the 200 day that could be your barometer if you want to most people were looking for the market to sell off we talked about this before long onlys want the market to sell off shorts want the market to sell off everyone wants a better entry point and you have to stick to those levels if you get the better entry point what I'll ask Carter though is do your clients ask you when we're going to see a real fundamental shift from growth no, to value.
5: I mean, clients ask me things as it relates to charts. Not about that. We have other people so, that handle that. But let me, maybe if I can, let's just put this in historical context: nineteen twenty-seven to present, ninety-three years. There have been two hundred and twenty instances where the S and P dropped five percent or more. There's something about five percent, either stop loss kicks in or the risk manager walks over. But once you go down five, you typically go down more. And here are the statistics: two hundred twenty-two times, all five percent plus corrections. The median is 8.2 percent decline. The average is 12. So here we you're are not
1: talking about in one day. Obviously, this is a multi-day no, of process.
5: all 5 percent plus corrections. Once you get to 5 percent, more than not, there's a follow through. So if you look at all 222 of them, they happen about two to three times a year for the last 93 years. You're looking at something typically between eight and 12 percent. Very rarely do they just stop at five and bounce. And so we're only three days into it. Duration. We're only 5.2 percent decline. Magnitude there's every indication that there should be more. Now, you all talk about whether it happens tomorrow, or Julian said on Wednesday, or maybe it's longer than that. But the point is, this is just, again, whatever word you use, dip, give back, sell off, decline, correction, it's garden variety as of now. So, Carter, you you put up those charts.
4: You had the channel. You had the trend line. It's broken. What happens if we rally back up to that trend line over the next well, week and, or and so?
5: Well, that's where you get people to re That's where people who bought for the bounce will say, wow, I made a quick buck, let me get out. Meaning, once you break and you leave supply above, when you rally back to it, it induces people to sell, both who are trapped, who see some relief, as well as people who bought well and who want to book the gains.
3: So let me ask you, you have that breakout to the dot below. Sure. Where do you find support, having gone through well, that channel Well, that's just
5: it. They're real support, I'm not so sure it's really moving averages, but it's, it's the level from which you broke out, right? So were you to go all the way down and, and give back most of the October move, you're talking about a, a 15% give back. Now, 10% would take you to the to December low, uh, and a 15 would take you to the October low. They're both the third of the month. October 3rd, December 3rd, uh, somewhere between 10 and 15 would be guard right, and in line with the historical statistics, somewhere between 8 and 12%.
1: So history says we got another
5: and that's, 3 to 6%
1: to I, and, go. and the
5: thing is that, think about it, we're using words like capitulation and catastrophe. Nothing's happened. I mean, we're at all-time highs. We had, a, we, had a, we had a down day, and the whole world's like this. What's wrong with giving back? In fact, mean reversion is a part of investing.
1: I don't think we've used capitulation or catastrophe on this program today. No, have you're we are saying what
5: would out? look like capitulation. Not, yeah. not you. I'm talking about that's what's in the mood. That's the tone. My gosh, it's panic. Nothing's happened. All
1: right, relax. <laughs> Nothing's happened. <laughs> Carter Worth, you happened. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. All right, coming up. Outside of the macro markets, there are some after-hours movers. Yes, indeed. We're going to hit individual names. Plus, did today's market move create some opportunities to start building positions? The traders are going to each tell you the one name that they could buy in today's pullback. Stick with us. Fast Money is back in a flash. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. We've got some breaking news right now from United Airlines. Let's get that with Phil LeBeau. Phil. Brian take a look at shares
8: of United. The airline is pulling its guidance for all of 2020. That is because of the coronavirus. The company is saying there's no way to predict exactly how long this virus will last, whether it or not it spreads to other regions. It is sticking with its Q1 guidance of earning between 75 cents and a buck 25, but beyond the first quarter the company says It's hard to know exactly what's going to happen, whether coronavirus spreads and impacts uh, demand in other regions. Just for some sense of how much uh, United's business has fallen off, both in China and Trans-Pacific, near-term demand has dropped 100% for China. No surprise. They've killed all their flights at least through April. There's not going to be any demand there. But then when you look at their Trans-Pacific routes outside of China, near-term demand down 75%. As a result, United is pulling its full year guidance until it has a better feeling for how this coronavirus plays out over the next several weeks and months. Brian, back to you.
1: Yeah, Phil, obviously we know the Asia impact. I mean, and and as you have said, those are the most lucrative routes in the world. Today was supposed to be the kickoff of the 3GSM, Mobile World Congress, the biggest cell phone trade show in the world. John Fort goes every year. That was canceled. I'm thinking a couple thousand people probably from the United States no longer going to Europe. Any indication of how much or if at all there has been a drop off in European travel for the American carriers? Unclear how much there is at this point, but I suspect that
8: we're going to start to hear about that relatively soon. Look, at Fashion Week in Milan, you saw some of these uh, shows were being done to a completely empty uh, arena. You saw other people who are saying, we're just not going to travel to certain events that are happening uh, in Europe. I know a couple of people in the auto industry who have said, you know what, I was supposed to go to Geneva Auto Show. I'm not going. So it'll be interesting to see what we hear, not only from United, mm. but other carriers over the next several weeks
1: about demand to Europe. Yeah, Phil LeBeau there was some big breaking news. United withdrawing its guidance for the entire year. Phil, thank you very much. You bet. All right, so Karen, i got two questions for you. Number one is on, on airlines. I mean, that's a big deal, and I would imagine if United's doing it, other right. international carriers, maybe not domestic, uh-huh. international will do it. And what does this also tell us about hotels? Do we start to see Hilton and Marriott kind of say, you know what? We don't know. Yeah, And well, withdrawing their guidance.
3: Why not, right? If it's free to withdraw your guidance, kind of. I look at United uh, Airlines; it's down 50 cents. Yes, it is a hall pass, and I think one legitimately. It's really hard to know what their business will look like, so I think that they will get somewhat of a free pass. I mean. American is very domestic. Delta is very domestic. But I, I think, well, of, look, look at a cruise stock now. I mean, that's got, sort of the worst-case scenario. All of them 9%
1: today. All of them were down 9%. And
3: going into today, it already looked
4: pretty bad. Right. And so what's interesting is typically I would say this is a buy-the-news event, right, where bad news comes out, it's already priced into the stock. But you look at something like United, and it's sitting precariously on multi-year support. So you could have people really capitulate in this, you've already seen it in the cruise lines. Marriott looks horrible. The airlines may be next here. So it's not a typical environment.
1: And by the way, you're dealing with the 737 MAX issue, which has affected American, Southwest, and United. Delta, they don't have a MAX issue. But I would imagine, Steve Grasso, if United has done it, to Karen's point, expect other carriers to do this. I would expect, and I do think we're, we're getting very close to that by the, the headline risk. On the tape. Just think about what we talked about, about crude going no place. That's a tailwind for the cruise industry. That's a tailwind for the transports. So I think on a whole, they're still reacting to the first domino, which is coronavirus. No one has any idea where that's going to be. But when you look at a United down 15% year to date, or a Delta down 7 to 10%, I think you're getting around those levels where you could be a buyer of the transfer.
2: And real quick, just the this, this second derivative of this, and we've talked about it on this show, look at ZM, Zoom Video. I mean, that stock was up today. I think it closed around $105. it has been a straight line now to the upside for the last three and a half, four weeks. They report on March 4th, and we've said this is a name you stay in long into earnings on March 4th, given the short interest and given what's going on. So if you've enjoyed this run, not a bad time to pull the ripcord unless you
1: really want to play the $100 table and wait until next Uh, week. Side note on that, guys. I'm calling Audible for a second. I know we got to go. Amazon, I get it. It fell today, but I'm thinking if you're afraid to go out... Wouldn't an Amazon sort of be a Zoom video Netflix like trade where you're thinking, you know what, I'm going to order. Got to get more. shipped to you I from a... someplace though. Do you want to see that package? Who's been touching it? I uh, think the only person. Would... I'm not sure. Cardboard is a conveyor of corona. Nor am I not sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nor am I, not sure. I know if I can yeah. stream Netflix, that's not gonna give me corona. But you get my point. So if you're looking at a Zoom, why would an Amazon?
2: I mean, no, I, I think that's fair and I know we gotta go to commercial. Again, seventy-three percent of this economy is driven by people spending money on things. When people get scared, I don't care
1: who they are, they don't spend. By and the way, okay, calling another audible by uh, the audible way. Audible the audible. I'm audible and the audible because we got big news here. Let's bring up a chart, guys, if you could, of MasterCard M A. Cutting its guidance for the year. Oof. Ooh. Just happened just now. So in the course of two minutes, we've had United Airlines say withdrawing all year guidance. Now we got MasterCard. They're updating their first quarter guidance and their full year guidance due to the virus. What is that guidance? I got to look here. I'm going to read if you don't mind me looking down. Mm-hmm. Expects net revenue growth of 9 to 10% year over year on a currency neutral basis. I don't know what that is in comparison to. Let me read here. But they are saying this is a convo- coronavirus, obviously, Issued thing. Cross border travel to a lesser extent, cross border e-commerce growth is being impacted by coronavirus. So basically ratcheting down some other guide look here guidance here. And
4: I would, you know, I mean, to Karen's point, I would expect several others to do this. I mean, again, we know that the global economy was relatively weak coming into this. And I keep asking everybody the same question. Is this a big enough shock to push some countries into recession or to have analysts and strategists change their earnings estimate? And clearly the answer is yes at this point in time, because companies are doing it. I would add one name to this that hasn't really had an impact, hasn't seen the impact, but look at something like Uber. It has been straight up. Everybody else is saying i 'm not flying on a plane i 'm not getting in a in a hotel room. Well, how do you get to those places? You get in an Uber and I think that one 's vulnerable
1: okay i 've had a minute thank you bK. Give me a minute to actually look through the press release from from MasterCard. Here are the numbers that they 're giving, which is that Year over year net revenue growth the first quarter will be two to three percent lower than discussed on their January twenty ninth, twenty twenty earnings call. They still see net revenue growth of nine to ten percent for the quarter on a currency neutral basis. What's interesting, Grasso, is that they're cutting their revenue growth guidance by two to three percent after what's today's after 26 days. Right. Yeah, I think they're taking the free pass, but if you look at that international revenue number, it's ten point nine billion against a North American revenue of $5.8 billion. So they have a two-to-one risk internationally where that's all the effects and the headwinds that are predominantly happening. And in knock on wood, we get this coronavirus under control, but it depends on where you get it Is is directly related to your mortality uh, outcome, and in North America, it's been a lot better than it has been around the world. So they're protecting that 10.9 billion international revenue. All right, Steve, thank you very much. So Mastercard and United both cutting or adjusting their guidance down in the last few minutes. All right, coming up, NYU's dean evaluation, as we call him, says, "Don't panic until this happens." What is this? He's going to join us to explain. Plus. Our traders spotted four big buying opportunities in their sell-off. We're going to go around the horn and get names for you from each one. That's coming up. Stick around. All right, welcome back. down, Down over 1,000 points, only the third time in history it has lost four digits. On a percentage basis, it was about, I think, 230th in terms of The percent decline. But still, nobody's making light of this. That was a big down number. Let's bring in Oswald Tamarodin. He is the finance professor at NYU Stern School of Business, uh, known as the dean of valuation. One thing we've talked about, Oswald, welcome, by the way, is valuations have obviously come down today. Unless we see, by the way, earnings also get cut as MasterCard just did on the revenue side. Uh, Do you feel like the market is more fairly valued now?
7: It, it was actually a very orderly retreat today. It dropped by 3% at the start of the day and wasn't a typical panicky day. It was a day where, in a sense, people were almost reassessing. So if I were asked ask to judge what happened today, it's more fundamentals than fear. And then that might change tomorrow. Because there is a real story you can tell that can affect cash flows and growth. It can explain not just a 3% drop, but a bigger drop. So I think the real question then becomes, what else do we watch out for? I think the earnings guidance is the first shoe to drop. What I'd be looking for are cutbacks and buybacks and dividends, because those reflect long-term fears that you won't be able to deliver your cash flows.
1: It's going to be hard to value the market on a P.E. basis if we don't know what the E is. United Airlines just told us we don't know what our earnings are going to be. No idea.
7: If you're valuing based on this year's earnings, you're already on a dicey, playing a dicey game. So you know, it's next year's earnings you should be thinking about.
3: So would you rather see, or value-oriented, would you rather see a panicky type of market and step into that?
7: No, I mean, I, th- I think nobody wants panics. It's always There's always blood on the ground, and I prefer not to see blood on the ground. I can still find bargains, even if the market drops in an orderly way. So I'm looking for bargains and also shedding things in my portfolio that probably it's time to go.
2: So quick question. Are we looking at a situation where the market, in terms of valuation, can get more expensive despite the fact that the broader market is selling off? Are we on the cusp of something like that?
7: You could have that happen. Yeah, I think that um, the market could get more expensive on a PE basis because the E for this year is going to go low, which is one reason why I think it's so senseless to focus so much on P divided by E right now. I mean, viruses in the past have hit earnings, but usually you've come back, you know, because there's a pent-up demand. The question here is not whether the earnings this year will be down. They will be affected by the virus. It's almost undebatable. But whether this is going to have a long-term consequence through other damage that it creates, that really is what we're watching for.
1: All right, smart words. Oswald, a real pleasure to have you on an important day. Thank Thank you very much. All right, coming up, we're going to break out our protection playbook, how you can use options to protect your money from another big pullback if you don't want to sell your stocks. Plus, big night for jim take a look at our kramer cam he's going to be breaking down what you need to be doing with your money as well you got to get jim's take obviously mad money coming up at the top of the hour in the meantime we will be right back all right welcome back well if you think today is just the beginning of an even larger sell-off we have a way to take cover using options if you don't want to sell stocks Let's get some real world how to advise Mike Coe's out in San Francisco with your options action. Lay it out for us, Mike.
2: Yeah, so first thing, don't chase, don't panic. The second thing is when implied volatility is higher, options are more pricey. So you want to look for spreads that have high payoffs. If you look at the March 300, 290 put spread, that $10 wide put spread would have cost about 95 cents today. If you spent a half a percent of your long equity portfolio to buy that spread, you would cut your exposure to a down 10% move between now and March expiration in half. That way you don't need to sell your stocks and you have some measure of protection.
1: All right, Mike Coe. Thank you very much, Mike. For more options action, of course, tune into the full show every Friday at 5:30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, a little different. Final trade. Your traders are going to name four stocks that they would buy, even with the market down like it was today. A bit of a longer final trade. It's coming up next. We're back in two minutes. All right, welcome back. Be sure to tune in tonight to the Markets of Turmoil special that will kick off at seven PM Eastern time, right after Mad Money with Jim Cramer. We got Josh Brown, we got Dan Nathan, got a few others. Alright, today's big sell-off could present a buying opportunity for some stocks. So what we did is we asked all of our traders, tell us the one name that they are buying. In today's downturn, Steve Grasso, kick it off. Well, this one, I am actually long. Spirit Airlines, ticker symbol is SAVE. But when you look at the revenues, domestic revenues are $3.5 billion. There's not a lot of exposure to uh, Asia in this one. I would be a buyer. I'm still long it. I would add to it. BK. So, generally, in times like this, you want to look for babies that are thrown out with the bathwater.
4: So, companies that may not necessarily be impacted by the virus, the one for me is CrowdStrike. Cybersecurity firm, unlikely that companies are going to cut back on this because of the virus.
3: Karen? Yes, so if there's blood on the street tomorrow, some of which will be mine for sure, I want to buy Alphabet, particularly with new money. I think they're really insulated from coronavirus. I think the valuation's attractive. Google.
2: Look for the companies that can take advantage of increased volatility. Chicago Mercantile Exchange, green on
1: the day, Brian. All right, CME, Google, CrowdStrike, and Spirit Here. Airlines. Thank you all very much. Big show with Mad Money Jim Cramer starts now.
0: The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at
3: Acura.com.